is up, Fantasy Fam? Here we are back again. We've been on a little bit of a sabbatical hiatus uh, lately, but we are back in, uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl coming up in the next few days. Boom. Getting ready for the start of the MLB season. Uh, pitchers and catchers report like two weeks, Couple I think, weeks. from today. Yeah, February. I think it's two weeks from today or so. But uh, we are a few days away from the Super Bowl. What we want to do is we kind of just want to sum up the season. We kind of want to uh, talk about how we got right here. But it's been a while, uh, guys. How, how have you both been? Not bad. You know, it's been nice weather down in Texas. Go wear shorts cool. and a t-shirt during the day. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Hasn't snowed or anything. I don't know about you guys. I know it's snowing up there. Not right now, but... Doing yeah, well. Not... Doing well. We, uh, we, actually saw, we actually saw each other recently, so that was, um, that was a delight. Yes. Nice little get-together. Always, get together, you Always know? a delight. Always yeah. great to see you. Anthony, not so much, but um, whenever you do see me, <laughs> it's whatever. It is whatever. Not on your computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> so we have been off the air for a little bit of time now. Real life does get in the way, but we do have some some information to catch you guys up on. We have some information to catch you guys up on. Some stuff that will, uh, you know, as a whole encompass the entire season. What we saw, what we learned, some big play performances, some guys who struggled. Um, and, you know, it, it was a great season all in all for some, not for all. You know, somebody has to finish in last. Somebody has to finish in first. It's how fantasy works, unfortunately. But the biggest news coming out actually yesterday is the Alex Smith trade to Washington. Um, I don't know about you, but I did not see that coming exactly. I knew they kind of wanted to phase him out, but they traded him to Washington for Kendall Fuller in a third round pick, which turns out to be a fantastic trade for Kansas City. It- I just saw him on ESPN, too, yesterday when I was grabbing lunch. Like, they were interviewing him. I don't really know what they were talking about. It's just kind of funny that I saw him on there, and then, boom. And it, and then it's like, okay, Kirk Cousins, now he's going he's gonna to get paid. He's going to get paid a lot of money, Kirk Cousins. I mean, Alex Smith is 34 years old. He's not going to give you more than what you expect. I mean, I get it. They're going to pay him less money than they would have paid Kirk Cousins, but... They're paying him. I mean, it's not official until the new calendar year starts in March, but like seventy-one million guaranteed on a on like a ninety-four million dollar contract, which seems seems slightly absurd to me. I guess it it's going to benefit uh, the Jameson Crowders and Chris Thompsons of the world, who he's just going to dump it off to because he doesn't throw deep, and they don't necessarily have a deep threat. Um, I don't know. I there's some value there, but I could see if it doesn't work out well. Jay Gruden's already on the hot seat already, so it's better for the Chiefs. Such a good trade. I think this is fantastic for Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, personally. I think this is great because Kirk Cousins is going to Denver. This, oh. I, I, just, Kirk, I, uh. I think I think Demarius turns into a clear-cut number one again if, if, if Kirk if. signs with Denver. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jacksonville is always a possibility. My my Jets are a possibility. Cleveland, the, should, Cleveland, be the, Cleveland a should be the number one option. Cleveland should pay him. They should just give him whatever money he right. wants. 10% stake in the franchise. Just do it. <laughs> pick, pick Barkley. Exactly. They have a good offensive line already. Yep. They oh, have yeah. Josh Gordon. Let's not forget about that. Corey Coleman. Young defense. Yeah. They can pick up a couple guys in the draft. I mean, two yeah, good Corey running Coleman. backs. David Njoku. Maybe they could actually start a running game with an actual quarterback, too. Yeah, That's it's true. it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting offseason. A lot, you know, we're not sure what's gonna happen with Le'Veon Bell. We're not sure what's gonna happen with Kirk Cousins. True. There's a lot of a lot of toss ups. You know, is Des Bryant gonna remain in Dallas? Yeah. Another another good one. Um, so we're gonna see a lot of interesting uh, moments happen this offseason once it hits March. Once the you know the drafts and the combine are you know underway, and we get ready for free agency. It's gonna be a very interesting season. Ah. But for now, we're gonna focus on the 2017 season. Um, a lot, a lot happened. A lot of injuries happened. A lot of the same happened with Crazy the Patriots season. back. Yeah. Patriots are back in the Super Bowl. So unfortunately, Ugh. it was a crazy season. It was a great season, and it still ended with the Patriots back in the Super Bowl, which well, we all saw welcome. coming. Honestly, you're welcome, Bill Parcells. You know, <laughs> everyone should be thanking Bill Parcells and the Giants, and they're going to see it all. Everyone that doesn't believe that or doesn't know the story, they're going to see it. The two Bills. 30 for 30 on ESPN. Watch yeah. it. And you'll and everyone should be thanking the New York Giants for all they their could, success. They could do a 30 for 30 just based on the disciples of Belichick and the disciples of um, Nick Saban. I mean, those they True. could just do a whole 
session on great coaching that has come out of those two coaches. They really and Saban could. and Saban worked for Bill Belichick when he I was know. in Cleveland. Yeah. The Cleveland one as a whole is a great one. To, There's a ridiculous like, amount of yes. anyway, coaches that were there. So 2017 season, we're going to start with the quarterback position. Okay, because where else would you start? I mean, we're a guy who should have won the MVP. We don't really know if he's going to win. I don't think he's. there's a chance now because of his injury. Ugh. But Carson Wentz was on his way to winning the MVP. Great stat here is the fact that he still finishes the top five quarterback in the in fantasy. Which is incredible. That's how good of a season he had. I, I mean, he was well on his way to winning the MVP, and his team still makes it to the Super Bowl. He wasn't even drafted. No. Nah. In- in a majority of my leagues. He wasn't even drafted. He, he was, was picked up off waiver wire. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. I, you don't have to pick a quarterback early. Cra- crazy stat about him, too, that I was actually looking through because I actually wanted to see. Because Jared Goff had another great season, you know. Yeah. There we go. Number one and number two pick from last year, from last season or whatever, two seasons ago. Um, Carson Wentz had six games of three or more touchdowns this past season. That's insane. He was he was lighting every defense up. It was unreal what he was doing, and I hate to say that as a Cowboys fan because we're gonna see Carson Wentz now for I mean his entire career, and it's just awful. <laughs> yeah, talked it's, about it a lot. Uh, it's unbelievable to watch. But another guy we just talked about surprisingly finished in the top five as a uh, as a quarterback just traded to Washington was Alex Smith. Most people don't expect – they expect, you know, a good, solid quarterback doesn't turn the ball over but doesn't throw for a ton of yards or touchdowns, and he did both of those things this past year. 4,000 yards. Threw for careers and uh, career, you know, touchdowns and yards. Great year from him. Another guy didn't get drafted. Wasn't drafted. He wasn't even yeah. drafted. Not even yeah. thought Not even thought of. Maybe in, a, maybe in a 14, two quarter – I don't know. But, yeah. That's what that's what one of our strategies we'll talk about later. Things we learned from this season, things we can kind of take with us going forward, is the fact that quarterbacks you can either wait on or you can get lucky at the end of drafts or you can pick up on the waiver wire. You do not have to spend heavy capital in the draft on Aaron Rodgers and, and if Andrew Luck comes back and Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees. Because Drew Brees really didn't have his best season. And he, he was a top five quarterback taken in the draft. He wasn't. Did he even finish top ten? I don't even think he finished he did, top ten. Or I can tell you, he definitely didn't finish in the top eight. No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> so, so that's the thing is, you know, what we learned. Another year of learning is the fact that quarterbacks, they come and go. You're a top quarterback. A quarterback's going to finish in the top ten every week that you didn't pick, that you didn't expect to pick. Uh, you know, see there, like Brock Osweiler did a few years ago. He had some top ten weeks. You know. Some guys you weren't expecting to have those types of weeks. Look at Matt. Look at Matt Ryan. Oof. You know what I mean? People drafted him so hot. I mean, he had an incredible year last year. Changed the offensive coordinator, and then boom, he didn't even. He finished what fifteen, uh, I think. Which we, is we'll t- we'll talk about him a little bit later too because he's uh, a perfect example of a strategy that I yeah. like to talk about. Yeah. Um, when you know talking about guys who are coming off MVP type years yeah. that aren't particularly MVP-type players. Um, but, you know, here nor there. So the top eight um, that finished as, you know, the top eight quarterbacks from 2017 season, Russell Wilson finished as the number one by 48 points over the number two, which was Cam Newton. Who actually had a pretty pretty good bounce back here. Great, great year. But think about that. Russell Wilson, 48 more points than the second best quarterback in fantasy. That's how good of a year he had. And guess what? Seattle missed the playoffs. I know. And he led the league in touchdown passes with 34, which was the lowest in the NFL since 2006, which is say, crazy to think very about. Very low. It's a passing league, but... <laughs> very low. I mean, that, a few that's years ago, ridiculous. A few years ago, there was only four or five... Four, it was between four and six running backs that had 1,000 or more rushing yards in a season. In a season. This time around, that's not the case anymore. There are more running backs running for 1,000 yards than we've seen oh, in a long time. hands down. We're seeing great totally. talent at the running yep. back position. And that's what we'll pivot here now. You know, did anybody expect somebody like Alvin Kamara to finish in the top three, four, depending on your fantasy format? I mean, a guy that in some smaller leagues probably went undrafted, and in some bigger, deeper leagues, he probably went in like that 15th, 16th to 20th round. Towards the end, exactly. I mean, wow. That's That, to me, he is the most important person to talk about in this entire episode. Because he shows that those flyers... Those guys that you don't expect to have great years, those rookies, can actually just completely 
burst onto the scene given the team. Well, this year was crazy, I think, though, because in previous seasons, we've seen a ton of ridiculous wide receivers that were rookies have phenomenal years and running back struggled. And this year, I don't know if it's going to be a, be a sign of things to come in the future, but this year it was clearly the running backs that dominated the wide receivers from the rookie class. Hands down. Yeah, it's been finished in the top four. It's it's unbelievable, actually. The rookie running back class was probably one of the best I've seen in a very, in a very yeah, very very long time. Probably the best. <laughs> I, I mean, it's unbelievable the fact that you could rattle off any running back, any rookie running back that was taken, even somebody like Marlon Mack. Honestly, he had some weeks where he had a pretty good week. Yeah. Like it's 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 unbelievable how deep the rookie running back class was this year. And that's what I one of my biggest takeaways from 2017 was the fact that rookie running backs excelled immensely. Crushed it. But we can't talk about running backs without talking about who I am picking to win the MVP, and that's Todd Gurley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did anybody expect this, honestly? Uh, not MVP, but I predicted him. I mean, I think we talked about it in the beginning of the season that he was going to dominate this year. He was going to get a lot more catches. They wanted to get him involved in the passing game. I think he finished with like 70, 70 receptions or something like that around yeah. around there, and which is – ridiculous for Todd Gurley because he that's like combined his first like couple seasons in the league dominated yeah he took over for what David Johnson was supposed to be again this year yeah I saw a crazy stat too I think that Todd Gurley had 60 less touches than Le'Veon Bell and wound up finishing with like 60 more fantasy points Mm -hmm. or something crazy Um, I think too that I don't want to get get too into it now because I know we're going to talk about that later but the coordinator changes is something, the coaching changes is something that, I mean, I always keep an eye on, and we talked about it a lot, like ad nauseum with, with the Falcons, Kyle Shanahan all season, and how he left, Steve Sarkeesian steps in, and they just, they couldn't replicate the magic that they had last year. Exactly. Same thing with the Rams, right? Whole new coaching staff, they weren't necessarily utilizing Gurley right. Sean McVay comes in, this offensive mastermind, but he's a new coach, what's going to happen? Todd Gurley, it's like a bounce back spot, right? I, he was getting picked in the second third round when the previous year he was a top five pick so yeah he burned some bridges he did he burned bridges for people who drafted him at that five you know i know plenty of situations where he was taken two years ago before david johnson and david johnson had more points than you know as many points as lt did um a few years back when he had 30 plus touchdowns so that's you know that's that's unfortunately people were afraid with Todd Gurley coming back and what he was going to be like in that offense and they were a great offense. The Rams offense was a fantastic offense. It's insane. People get bitter. People get upset. <laughs> <laughs> so last thing we'll talk about running backs is no one really expected Jay Ajayi to be traded. That's the thing that I found kind of perplexing this year because NFL trading doesn't really happen very often and if it does it's usually in the off season. Exactly. But. In, his, in steps Kenyon Drake, Ooh. and to me, it's it's worth discussing. Do you believe Kenyon Drake has the tools and the team makeup to make him a substantial running back in fantasy? You know, do you see him as a a potential running back too? I mean, a guy who could rise up the draft boards, especially with you know quarterback that's kind of up in the air. Well, very, I think very easily he could be on the running back one borderline. Actually, he showed us what he can do. With Jay Cutler at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, if Ryan Tannehill is behind center, there's no doubt in my mind he can't be a running back one. Like, running back two, definitely. Borderline running back one. I think after the trade, he was one of the best running backs of the second half of the season. And if you were so lucky to have drafted two solid running backs and then pick up Drake during the season, then you were, I mean, you were sitting gold, but... I think Kenyon Drake has all the makings of it. The guy can catch, he can run. Damian Williams, I'm sorry, but it's it's the Kenyon Drake show. The Drake and Kenyon show. <laughs> the, the Drake and Kenyon. No, I agree. I think he I mean he has the pedigree, right? He's he went to Alabama, so he knows what it takes to you know to train and win. I think it might even help if Tannehill comes back and plays because mm-hmm. he's a much better athlete and I don't know, they're younger, maybe they can get, get something going. Um, which is why I like that Chiefs trade. All those young guys. We talked about that. Um, but I think Drake is, at least right now, at a minimum, an RB2 with with extreme upside. Very shifty out there, and he catches passes out of the backfield. Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting. There's some there's some cool storylines to, to think about and to watch going into the offseason about certain players in certain situations, and he is definitely one of them. 
So we're going to round out the uh, the top eight running backs from this past year in a PPR format. Uh, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, Mark Ingram, LaShawn McCoy, and the f- number eight was the surpriser for me is Carlos Hyde. Biggest surprise Carlos- for me. Carlos Hyde finishes the number eight running back in PPR formats, and he goes into this year as a free agent. I couldn't. I just, I'm I'm still in shock that he's the number that he finished number eight in PPR. So, two things to take away from that is the fact that um, Carlos Hyde finished in the top eight, and the other thing is is that the Saints had two running backs the in six. the top six. Okay, a team that <laughs> passes the ball nonstop had two running backs finish in the top six. Incredible. That's why Drew Brees didn't finish in the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> and over 50 touchdowns, you know, one of 5,000 passing yards. But Carlos Hyde, this – if the Niners were sm- – they have to re-sign Carlos Hyde. They need to I, – I, unless they can possibly get someone better, it just goes to show you, though, that Carlos Hyde actually had a pretty good season. And then once they got Jimmy G, they, they went undefeated with him. Pierre Garçon comes back next year. Could be a different team. So I think that – him finishing the way that he did helped his case to to at least get paid. A little yeah, bit somebody more. will sign him. Somebody will sign him. I'm not sure if the 49ers love him love him or not. Matt Breida, undrafted. I don't even know who else they were giving the ball to, but his his usage was so inconsistent, and he still finished number eight. It was ridiculous. I mean, I got him in dynasty. I'm hoping that somebody wants to trade me like a first or potentially even second round pick for him this year. We'll see where he goes, but I might yeah. sell high. I don't think I don't think there's any reason. You know, he he finished a year where he was played the most games I think of his career. Um, he started the most games of his career. He's usually been a little unhealthy for most of his uh, games over the past few years. But the running backs, for the most part, besides David Johnson injury, I, I don't really see too many like things I wouldn't have predicted besides Alvin Kamara. I mean, I expected Melvin Gordon in the top ten. I expected Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley in the top ten. Maybe not number one. Michelle McCoy. Yeah. Right. But the Kareem Hunt one. I wasn't saying he's definitely going to be a top ten running back, but he has the skills and the and the team makeup to finish as a top ten running back. I, I mean, so he's got to show more consistency. Is, the thing is, after Spencer Ware got hurt, he flew up draft boards and he was no longer a value pick. Exactly, you had to pick him. I had to pick him in the third and fourth round, so he wound up actually equaling his value. Right? Oh, totally. So he, he wasn't necessarily a steal like Kamara. You were getting. Late. To your point, after the eighth round or even right. later, right? So it, it comes down to value. Obviously, that's part of another discussion. But you're going to pick Todd Gurley. He was going to be Le'Veon Bell is your first pick. You need him to finish top three overall for it to be worth picking him. Exactly. Yeah, that's for people who drafted, you know, Kareem Hunt in that eighth or ninth round. You got to steal. I mean, but then yeah. that next that next day he went from an eighth, mid eighth to early ninth round pick to a late third, early fourth round pick. By the time you know, September rolled around and you were doing your draft right before the season. He was a late second, early third round pick. Yep. Oh, yeah. So reach. Crazy. Things change. Injuries happen. Schemes change. Personnel changes. It's part of the game. And it's just about adapting. You know, just because they did great this year doesn't mean they're going to do great next year. As we saw with, you know, McVay leaving certain places. McVay left Washington. Look what happened. You know, uh, Shanahan left Atlanta. Look what happened. So things happen. All right, so let's move to the to the wide receiver position. Wide receiver this year wasn't as special as it usually is. I mean, it's really everybody I kind of yeah. predicted for the most part. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is even the ones who finished in the top eight this year, they weren't sexy picks. I mean, like a Jarvis Landry, for example. I don't feel satisfied with Jarvis Landry bringing me to a league title. I don't because he brought me to one still he still he still had didn't have a great great year he had his first hundred catch season i understand with jay cutler i still don't there's something about him and the way he plays exactly yeah he'll get he'll get his receptions and the yards will be okay but he doesn't get you touchdowns he did he actually had i I think he had like eight touchdowns eight touchdowns yeah yeah so it's it's the same old song and dance here, I think, with wide receiver. It's the Julio Jones. Antonio Brown missed three games and still finished number one. It just happens. DeAndre DeAndre was a big shock, but obviously Deshaun Watson, we saw what he can do now. So DeAndre is going to be in the argument moving forward as potentially sharing the top spot with Antonio Brown, I think, for the next couple of years. There's a yeah. lot of crazy potential there. If if Watson can stay healthy, oh my goodness, that was so much fun to watch. It was 
It was ridiculous. Even Will Fuller was like a top 10 receiver for two or three weeks with him out there. Fedorowicz was killing it. <laughs> oh, it was, it was insane. It goes to show you that you need that you need a good backup quarterback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think Keenan, Keenan Allen, Allen, yeah, right? Yeah, he was wow. hurt. He's been hurt yeah. a lot. He came out of nowhere to I'm, finish. Uh, I'm very excited. Third. I was very happy for him. And yeah. when he got when he went down against the Chiefs that one game, was it against the Chiefs, I think, on like a Saturday night or something like that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, oh, I was like, oh, crap, here we go. Yeah. But then he came back the next, he I mean, had he came a back stretch. next week. He had a stretch of like three or four weeks in a row where he put up points. I mean, 10-plus receptions, 125, 30-plus yards, a touchdown or two. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, so the top, let's round out the top eight, Antonio DeAndre Keenan, as we stated. Then old reliable Larry Fitzgerald finished fourth. Followed by my least favorite, Jarvis Landry. Uh, Michael Thomas, another guy who is continuously going to be a top eight uh, wide receiver each and every year. Easily. Sorry. No, let me jump in here because I want to finish out these next two because they're very near and dear to my heart because I had both of them on many, many teams. I used the first round pick on Julio Jones. Going back to value, dude finishes seventh, right? Who finishes eighth? Adam, I'm feeling, feeling. 12 points behind Julio Jones. I picked him in a PPR league in the 8th, ninth, 10th round. That's ridiculous value right there. That's somebody that showed signs as the season went on the year before, right? And you hope that maybe he would gain some chemistry with the quarterback. Then Sam Bradford goes out. right? So you honestly, I mean, that was just a crazy situation. But I think he's obviously going to be flying off draft boards much, much, much earlier next year. Oh, without a doubt. And I had him on like four or five teams this year. But that's the thing with him, though, is the fact that there's nothing overly special about him. I think he's a very good receiver. But he's going to be one of those guys that is just like Matt Ryan, like we'll talk about later, is the fact that you don't uh, – you know what? I'll talk about it later. It's fine. But Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll save it for later. But he's one of those guys. He's a perfect Matt Ryan example from last year and for Thielen going next year. Why you don't you have to look at them as a whole and their whole situation, okay? Well, we'll we shall see. We'll, we'll talk next about season. It. We'll talk we about it. We shall see. But so the tight end position was pretty. I thought it was pretty okay this year for the top. And once the top four, five, it's so it just, not sexy. It just at all. <laughs> it's bottomed. so gross. Yeah, after the top five or uh, after the top. Four. Four After the top four, we could talk about, exactly. The rest of them are good, serviceable tight ends that you probably got a good value for. You probably got them in that ninth, 10th, 11th plus round. Uh, You felt good about it. And one of them that I want to stand out about, I talked about him midway through the season, how he was on pace to have one of the best seasons for a rookie tight end, which he did. Um, He did, yeah. It's Evan Ingram. Yeah. I think Evan Ingram benefited from no Beckham, benefited from no Marshall, from Shepard being in and out. But I think Ingram had a really great year for a rookie tight end with a quarterback situation that was kind of in flux for some of the season. As a, you know, as a rookie, you don't expect much of a tight end. But to no, finish as the number all. five tight end in the PPR, I think it's pretty damn good. It's very good. Cons- Considering, like you said, though, who knows how he would have actually done if ODB and, you know what I mean, and Brandon Marshall, like, if he actually had a healthy receiving core, how would Ingram, like, how would he have actually finished? But now they actually can see what he can do. I think he's going to be involved very heavily next year. Maybe not as much, but I that's that's pretty scary as a Cowboys fan as well, you know, to have to face him too now twice a season. I think even more, honestly, I think he's going to get more opportunity because Brandon Marshall's probably on his way out and yeah. Ingram's going to step into that slot role, which he didn't play as much as people predicted last year, um, lining up as a tight end, actually, a lot. So I'm, I'm looking forward to to what the Giants are going to bring to the table next year. I mean, it can't be much worse than this year, right? Mm, it could. It could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my – I mean – the way I look at it, Zach Ertz actually probably should have finished as the number one tight end. If Carson Wentz was healthy for those last few games of the season, I think Zach Ertz would have been the number one tight end. So yeah. going forward for people in dynasties, for people in, you know, redrafts even early in next, you know, early in this year in June and July, you know, the Zach Ertz to Carson Wentz connection just works. It really works well. So I, awesome. I think he's going to continuously be that top three position for a tight end. But then people have to realize that, you know, Travis Kelsey doesn't have Alex Smith anymore. You know, he's not he's not old reliable for Alex Smith. 
So going into next year, Mahomes may be targeting Tyreek Hill way more. He may be targeting yes. like Albert Wilson way more to stretch the field. I mean, you're you're talking a guy who can throw the ball like a mile. My, if he was smart, he obviously watched Alex Smith and everything he did this season, and all Alex Smith does is throw to Travis Kelsey. I understand, but Mahomes I, is not Alex Smith. <laughs> no, he's not. Definitely, he's going to take chances down the field. Obviously, Tyreek Hill could have better, you know, Chris Conley if he's still on the team, right? Albert Wilson, but Travis Kelsey, I still think he's going to finish in the top four. But yes, he doesn't have Alex Smith throwing to him anymore. So those are gonna the have to draft that, him higher too. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and those are the things that are interesting, is just looking forward, you know, looking into the, you know, sort of training camp and, you know, the start of next year. What's going to be the situation for players like that? You know, we know Gronk is going to be Gronk. We know Ertz is going to have Carson. But players like Kelsey, are they going to go down a little bit with Mahomes? It'll be kind of interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, because Delaney Walker, uh, they just got a new offensive coordinator, new head coach, right? Plus, he's getting older. Jimmy Graham, I think he's a free agent, right? will actually have Andrew Luck, Kyle Rudolph will have a new quarterback. So there's questions, honestly, about every tight end, and which I don't think it necessarily applies to what I just said necessarily. But this past few seasons, I've just been streaming tight ends. If I don't get same, if I don't get one of these top guys, which I'm not, I don't typically invest such a high pick in like a Kelsey or a Gronkowski. Um, I just stream every week. Eric Ebron. Sub in and out, baby. Yeah, it's how it should be. I mean, you people who drafted Kobe Fleener in the middle rounds, how'd that work out for you guys? Yeah, I think the first, I think the first two weeks it actually worked out decent, right? Yeah, he have uh, a t- he had, I think he had one good week. Yeah, after that, <laughs> how, how did it work out? That's what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. you, you had people like Safarian and Jenkins who you could have picked up after week two when he was, you know, returning from suspension, where he had some pretty good weeks in there. He did. You know? And if, if the Jets are smart, they'll bring back McCown and him and, and Safarian Jenkins, and they'll have a good connection again with them. So it's the tight end position is one of my final parting shots that I would like to talk about later is, you know, you're right. Going after the tight end in those first few rounds is a terrible decision. You're, you're wasting draft capital when you could be using it towards a position you have to start two of, like running back or wide receiver. Instead, you have to start one tight end that can be streamed. You know, there's not a there's not a huge point differential between the number, say, four tight end and the number 12 tight end sometimes. It's just there's not. But then you could also make up the points. You know what I mean? If you have a top wide receiver or well, running I, back on I, your roster. I, I agree. So it could. Yeah. So last uh, one of the last things we'll talk about in where it's the players will be the injuries we saw this year. So, it felt like there was a million. I mean, we saw so many, but the thing is, is that we didn't just see a lot of injuries. We saw a lot of injuries to the number one players at each position, literally everyone. Okay. We saw David Johnson. We saw Aaron Rodgers. We saw Odell Beckham Jr. I, I mean, uh, it's, we saw emerging players like just Sean Watson, like Chris Thompson. I mean, Dalvin the, cook, Dalvin cook, another emerging rookie. So, is this normal? Is this something you guys plan for going next year? Do you say, hey, you know, Delvin Cook, is he injury prone? Do we look at him that way now or no? I don't I don't think so. I mean, Aaron, once again, go with our strategy. Not going to draft a quarterback that high. He's still going to go pretty high because it's Aaron Rodgers. But it, some of these guys, yes, people are going to – they're going to stretch. They're definitely going to stretch for him. But if you're in a smart league, they will fall a little bit. Depending on, on my actual roster at the time of the draft, like of their position, you know what I mean, the time I'm picking, then that'll depend on how I pick them. But it definitely hinders or I think I think more about these specific players. Like Dalvin Cook, yeah, I'll be a little hesitant to draft him, but we saw what he can do, and he definitely would have finished in the top ten if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, to me it comes all – comes always back to value right where can i get him if if i believe in the player and he gets hurt once i mean before there's a trend that's been developed um yeah i'll I'll take him absolutely but if a guy gets hurt a couple times or if he gets hurt in college and gets hurt in the pros kind of quickly and i don't know just how how they recover because i definitely put guys in my head on the like a do not draft list like regardless of if they came back from injury then then it then that's my fault right then i miss the player but sometimes i will just not I will literally just not draft these guys if I think they're hurt. Like Jordan Reed comes to mind as one of these guys where 
you, he has all this potential, and you see him there, and he has a couple good games every year, but he gets hurt again. I know that's a terrible example because he's one of the most injury-prone guys, but it, it's a tough sport. People are going to get hurt mm-hmm. all the time. It's can you recover, and do you have that same explosiveness and burst that you did before you got hurt? I, I think Keenan Allen is actually a good example of this because he was someone that got hurt, what, two seasons, two or three seasons in a row? Yeah. And now look at him. He finished, I think he finished number three, four in most leagues, depending on your actual scoring. But I really didn't want to draft him this year, but we actually picked him in one league, brother. And it worked out very well for us as far as he. I mean, we didn't end up winning that league, but I mean, him himself. But you know what I mean? Like, so sometimes you got to take chances. Yeah, no, I completely agree with all of that. And it kind of makes me bring up the topic you know, just by saying, you know, players that you, you put on your do not draft list. You know, some of the biggest disappointments we had this year, guys that might be on your do not draft list going forward. Some people that we might be like, all right, they had a really crappy 2017. Are they worth drafting where they're probably going to go in 2018? And some of the players that come to mind for me, um, well, one of them is kind of not his fault. I mean, it kind of is in a way, but it's Jay Ajayi. I mean, J.H.I. was going in the late first, early second of most drafts, depending if it was PPR standard, it really didn't matter. Um, but he really disappointed. I mean, he had less than 1,000 yards this year. He, he had one touchdown on the ground. One. Really? One? He had one touchdown on the ground and one and one touchdown through the air. That's embarrassing. Two touchdowns total. Yeah. But we talked, I mean, we talked about him, too, in the beginning of the season – if you look at his stats from last year, he he only had three good games. That's it. That's where majority of his points came from. Right. So then he gets traded, which didn't help him. Exactly to a team that is starting to give the ball to Legarrette Blount now more. You know, who's actually playing very well. But Jay, oh man, he was definitely on my do not draft list this year, <laughs> and will be going forward. Yeah, the, the biggest one for me, though, is the next person, um, a guy who, oh, let's compare 2016 to 2017, which I hate doing, but I have to for this purpose. 2016 to 2017, he had 25 less receptions. He had 320 less receiving yards and seven less touchdowns, and he went in the middle of the first round. Mike Evans felt oh, like he sucked oh, this year. Did he sure. suck? Not really. I mean, his quarterback play was subpar. Jameis was hurt for a lot of it um and he also sucked but it's kind of a pattern to see with players we see p- patterns with these players you know mike Tampa Ev- just looked bad mike evans in his rookie year had 12 touchdowns in his sophomore year he had three in his third year he had 12 in his fourth year he had five we see a pattern building there where it's like a doug martin every other year kind of thing it's like a you know san francisco giants every year winning every other year winning a title that's what it feels like here and it seems like next year could be a bounce back year for Evans again, but that all depends on how well Jameis plays. Because he's somebody that you're still, I feel like you're still going to have to draft him fairly high just because of his pedigree and his past successes and the fact that it could have been a down year. Um, he's somebody that I'm not necessarily going to look for early on again. I feel like I got burned a little bit. Watch, now he goes for 15 TDs, but I'm going to segue that into one of my biggest disappointments this year i didn't necessarily have him on a lot of teams because he was getting drafted so ridiculously high mid second to early third round wide receiver i have him on one of my dynasty leagues so i think with john gruden coming back to oakland is only going to help this offense it's going to help the team they're going to get back on track and i know Derek carr was was hurt for some some of the season most of the season right it's tough but amari cooper what happened to you pal I was reading something earlier today that Alvin Kamara, on his receiving stats alone, he had 820-something yards and five TDs. Just those stats alone had more fantasy points than Amari Cooper did. That's kind of ridiculous for a second-round pick in PPR leagues. Um, I'm still a buyer. I'm still a hold, I think, long-term with John Gruden. I mean, he says it enough on on TV that you gotta get you gotta get the ball in your playmaker's hands. I don't think they made enough of a concerted effort to get the ball to Amari Cooper, and we talked about that a bunch. So he's somebody that I'm hoping is going to fall back much later in the draft because of this terrible season, so I can scoop him up, and he could be this year's Adam Thielen. Pick him in the eighth round, he finishes in the top eight. 
I think he'll fall. I don't think that far, but I think he'll definitely fall. But or people could still be like, oh, you know, obviously a smart fellas out there could be like, oh, he's got John Gruden now. So they listen to us, right? You know exactly. <laughs> um, mine, I, I just, I don't even want to talk about him because I am. No, just mention his name and then we'll move on. I, it's not worth I it. We so already spent pissed. too much time on it. Yeah. Terrell Pryor, I, I, I hate can't. You. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even say his name. It's like Baltimore at this point. Like, I seriously, Terrell Pryor had 20 receptions. He had 20. Oh man. 20 receptions. Keenan Allen had more receptions in two games than Terrell Pryor had all season. And I think he's going back to Cleveland. If he's smart, he, <laughs> I don't know where he goes, honestly. But God almighty, I drafted him on so many teams. I vouched for him. I talked so highly of his abilities and how he would succeed in this offense. And I completely fell apart on this one. And I am sorry to everybody. What who do you know? What do I you know, cousin? <laughs> okay. I am sorry, but I am not alone on this one. There are plenty of people who okay. you go back to August, you go back to early September. They said he is going to be a top 12 wide receiver. Put it in the books. And you know nothing, Kyle. Snow. I know, yeah, I know absolutely okay. nothing. <laughs> I felt like Jon Snow. Jesus, yeah. it was awful. I mean, fourth. He was on. He was a fourth round pick. He was ah, being drafted in a fourth round. Wow, that's that's. Yeah, and his and his buddy running back, who's going to be a free agent to the list too. Isaiah Crowell sucked. Plenty, plenty of pundits telling us, yeah, Isaiah Crowell is going to be a number, could potentially be a number one early number two running back, and he was nothing. <laughs> close to that he showed it the year before what he could actually somewhat do it's just a shame that he couldn't do it i mean duke johnson duke johnson had an awesome had an awesome season though as far as ppr go like i think he was one of the best ppr running backs i think he finished top 10 right or like isaiah coelho i can tell you isaiah coelho did not no (laughs) so he He wasn't even in top 20 they reached a point top 20 i'm saying he was like he wasn't, a, he, wasn't a, he wasn't a number three running back. I think he was like 24th. It's unbelievable how bad he was. For being drafted in the first two rounds. Or yeah. so, second round. Let's let's move on to brighter times and happier days. And let's move on to our biggest surprises based on their what their ADP was. Forget about your biggest disappointments. They're in the past. Let's talk about the surprises. Guys who are going to carry us next year. Biggest one we've talked about a million times. Pretty easy. We'll, we don't have to touch on him again. Alvin Kamara. I mean, great year. Um, you know, 13th, 14th round pick, someone leagues undrafted, he finishes this in the top five for running back. Unbelievable. My biggest one, though, is definitely going to be Jared Goff. Ooh. Jared like Goff one. had a great year. Efficient, awesome year. Efficiency-wise, I don't care about fantasy stats. Yes, this is a fantasy-based show, and it is a fantasy-based topic. But from an efficiency as a quarterback, he was by far a top five uh, quarterback in terms of efficiency this year. He looked like a great quarterback. And that's with good weapons, though. I mean, it depends what they end up doing with Sammy Watkins. It depends, you know, if Todd Gurley can repeat and carry that offense. And if His they, receiving core wasn't the greatest. They, they it's were not really good. the greatest. Cooper they're they're average. Right, oh, Cooper, Cooper Cup. Was, there you go. Was good. Cooper Cup. Robert Woods, when he had to be, was very good. Yep. Um, the tight end was non-existent. But the thing with them is, is if L.A. builds up that offensive line, Jared Goff could be even better. So from a fantasy perspective, he was my biggest surprise because he finished as a quarterback one, and he was undrafted in just about every league. Yeah, yes he was. Wow, that's a good one. I really like, and I will touch up, we did talk about him, but Duke Johnson, I actually have his stats. He finished 11th in PPR with 74 catches. That's incredible for running back and for the Cleveland Browns. Come on. Another guy, Marquise Goodwin. Someone to look out for next year. Yeah, I think I've mentioned uh, a few of these guys as well. And I think the the whole fact that the rookie running back class was just phenomenal was kind of surprising to me. And it goes to show you, you do not need to pick a quarterback in the first few picks of the draft. You do not need to pick a running back in the first round. Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara. I mean, clearly they're showing enough on tape and throughout college that they're getting drafted. It's crazy to me that whole process. I'm so intrigued. I'm just I'm gonna go watch draft day with Kevin Costner after this again, just to to see how it's actually done in the NFL because we know that's you know it's probably like 98, 99 percent realistic. It is a great movie though. It is. It's a fantastic yeah. movie. How true it is. I'm really not sure, but it's it's great. I mean, it makes for good cinema. Oh, it sure does, man. Some some of it does. Some of it does. The second, the four second round picks though, or the three second round picks to move back into the fir- first round. That 
was a little far-fetched, but we saw the the RG3 trade with the Rams, and that was like, what, three first-round picks, two that second-round picks? That was draft day. Something. That basically was draft That day. was kind of crazy, yeah. So you got fleeced. Well, draft day, you can rewind. The, the Redskins couldn't rewind their picks <laughs> <laughs> and do it all over again. But since we're talking about the rookie running backs, I just want to touch up that Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette finished ninth and 10th in PPR leagues. That's amazing. It's incredible. That That's four rookie running backs finishing in the top 10. And, we and did- those two were drafted a lot higher. Well, Kareem Hunt before the injury. Yeah, but that's you know. right. That's different. You can't really relate those two. But exactly. The Christian exactly. McCaffrey one, though, is incredible to me because there were points in the year where I didn't think Christian McCaffrey even looked that good. Oh, he looked so, terrible. No, he looked, if he, he could finish awful. in the top 10 in fantasy... Holy hell, what, is he what he's capable of? I can't even imagine what he's capable of in the NFL because to have that type of great year as a rookie and still not look yourself means he's capable of a fifth, you know, a top five running back finish in fantasy. He got better as the season went on. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. I agree. They started to actually, Use oh, him. wow, this guy's talented. Holy crap, let's throw him the ball. Well, that's, <laughs> I said early in the year, though. I said right after the draft and early in the season is that, you know, Carolina has been the worst team for targeting a running back in the passing game. Not so they season. had to completely change their offense to fit Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Jonathan. Did. The thing is, is that Jonathan Stewart had a really good year for Jonathan Stewart. I mean, exactly. I, no one was expecting them to have a two-headed running back tandem like they did. But um, so last, one of the last things we'll talk about is some of the strategies we that worked for us, some of the strategies that didn't work for us, and some of the things we saw, some things we picked up on, whether it is by team or by scheme. Or just some general thoughts that maybe could help going forward. And so what I was meaning to talk about before, when I skirted the issue about players like Matt Ryan and um, players like... I forget his name. Adam Thielen, I right. believe. Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, thank you. Yeah. And that's my biggest takeaway from this year and going forward, is draft them at their floor. Do not draft them at their ceiling. Okay? What that means is that you have to draft a player based on what you th- what you know they are capable of, not you think how great they can be. For example, you draft a player like Odell Beckham Jr. in the top seven because you know he is capable and he will get you the points and the yards and the touchdowns. Okay, Then you have players that you hope will finish in the top five, ten of any position. You know, you, you draft a, you know, a player like Jay Ajayi, for example. Uh, okay, because he had such a great year last year, you drafted him at his ceiling. Okay, his ceiling and how high he can go is twelve hundred yards and eight touchdowns. Okay, that's what you draft. That's what that's what his ceiling is. You do not draft a player at his ceiling. His floor is much like what he had this year: eight hundred yards and a few touchdowns. So that would be more of a third to fourth round pick. Is he going to go there? Probably not. But that's the way I look at it, is that you're supposed to draft a player based on what they, what you know they can do instead of what they can, what you think they can do. And that is my biggest takeaway, is because you always want to take that guy who is the shining star, who has the capabilities to change your team and bring you to title. But that same player can also completely demoralize and deteriorate your team to the point where you're nowhere close to the playoffs by week six. So that is something I will take with me going forward, is is floor matters way more than ceiling does. And to, to go off of that, I know it's a different sport, but we're going to touch up on baseball in a couple weeks. Uh, someone like Jonathan Villar, who I drafted last year, kind of high. Yep. Because he had an awesome season. Yes, he was. I think he was my third pick. <coughs> Excuse me. He was my third pick. I mean, the guy had like over 50 stolen bases, but to, to prove your point, you know what I mean, <laughs> of, of, your, of your floor – Right. Yeah. We have hope in players that they can reach those milestones. You know, not every player can be Aaron Rodgers. Not every player can be Antonio Brown. I was going to say, I was going to compare baseball and say, not every player can be Mike Trout or Nolan Arenado. Uh, uh, true, true. So true. they might have seasons that mirror them, but that does not mean they are them, which means that their floor is much, much lower than Mike Trout's floor or David Johnson's floor or Le'Veon Bell's floor. So that's what you have to be careful of. You have to know when you are drafting someone's floor and where, like, where in the draft you're drafting their floor and where in the draft you are drafting their ceiling. Yeah. My my, I guess my one takeaway. I mean, uh, you probably all agree with me on it, though. We talked about it. 
and it worked for me in one league, I did end up winning it, is running back, running back. Unless you have the number one pick, uh, if you want a running back, but Antonio Brown, I would take Antonio Brown every every single time with the number one pick because he has consistently proven that he can do it every single season. I think he's been the number one wide receiver for what? The past six Depends on, the for, depends on the format, but yeah. Exactly. I mean, he's – and he does it every single year. Everyone else is kind of, you know, jumbled around. But I am a big believer of the running back, running back. Depending on where you are drafting, and I took Devonta Freeman first and then Todd Gurley with my next pick, that definitely paid off because then I got some wide receivers like a Jarvis Landry who finished top, Adam Thielen on the same team. So – where I got my quarterback later on, Kirk Cousins, later on in the draft. And I think he finished seventh in the league, whereas it wasn't too far off from someone who, you know, somebody's going to draft and Aaron Rodgers, oh, but he's done for the season. What are you going to do? Now you got to scramble around. It's just it, – I like running back, running back, depending, I guess, on your actual draft picks and who is available. But I think it's a s- smart strategy. All right, I got a couple quick uh, quick hitters here, and I've discussed probably most of them, if not all of them, throughout the season. Um, not to disagree with you, Cousin Kyle. Sure. Um, because there's a lot of truth to that. And I think the thing about nowadays, because I remember looking back at when I first started um, playing fantasy, when there wasn't all of this information that was out there, you actually had to watch football to, to have all the information. Like, you actually had to sit there and watch the game, so you knew – who was good or in the preseason, like who could potentially get a chance if somebody gets hurt. And I remember tracking that, keeping names. So I would pick guys up on the waiver or draft guys that nobody was even looking at. And then I would win a couple leagues because nobody had those guys on their teams. They didn't have it. Now it was too late. And then I struggled for like a year or two because then all these guys that I'm, that I'm trying to pick were getting taken so much earlier because all of this information that's out there, everybody reads it now. Perception is reality, right? And you're going to get some guys based on value, but, and I've said this in the past, I will reach. One of my main strategies, because if I believe in a guy, with all this information that's out there, somebody else has read that, and they're going to pick him before me if I don't jump over that person and pick him. So I'm completely fine now reaching for somebody if I believe in them. Conviction. I say conviction. Coaching changes and coordinator changes. Be incredible. Keep an incredibly close eye on that. Kyle Shanahan leaving the Falcons, Sean McVay going to the Rams. I'm not saying you need to pick all those guys, but it's, it's just something to, something to be mindful about. Rookies, the sophomore slump is real. Can they do it again? Because teams are going to adjust to them, and how are they going to adjust to that? And I think a lot of guys struggle with adversity because they've only seen success, they've only had success. So when they're a little down on their luck or they've had a couple bad games, how do they react to that? Right? Do they have a good support system around them? On the field, off the field, um, you got you got to think about these crazy things, um, and don't get fooled by by people's names. Just because they've had good years in the past, does not necessarily mean they're going to be able to replicate that success again. Adrian Peterson. <coughs> uh. <laughs> Adrian Peterson was going at the same time Mark Ingram was going. Okay, there's some food for thought. Okay, Mark Ingram finished. In the top six, and Adrian Peterson is going to be cut as soon as possible by the Arizona Cardinals after he was traded to them by the Saints. If he wasn't cut already. So that's, <laughs> that, that is the food for thought. You're correct on that statement. Uh, Everybody has different opinions and views on how fantasy works. They have different strategies. They go about drafting differently. They go about free agency differently. They go about everything differently. The point is, is that you have to do your homework. You have to strategize. You have to have a game plan. Okay, play the, event, the waiver. Gotta right? play the waiver. In the event, the player that you want, you know, gets drafted by somebody in front of you, you have to know what player is valued there. And the most important thing, and I will talk about it when we start with baseball, is tiering matters. Okay? Mm-hmm. The, the tiers you put players in matter. Okay? Because as much as you want to fill that position, that running back position, or you want to fill that wide receiver position in the draft, they might not be worth it. They might be exactly tier under where they're where they're going right now, okay. And that's where you lose value. That's where you lose the shot on a player that is worth their value in that position. 
You know, that's unfortunately your running back running back sounds great in theory. And I love it because you want to add that early round value. But if you're taking a running back in the second or third round, that is really a fourth round pick Isaiah Crowell. You're losing out on value well, from a wide receiver that could be at the end of the season. Depending on who's out right, there, exactly. Right. No, and that's how it is, is that you just have to do your homework. You have to know where players stand. You have to know, you know, what to do in the event that the player you want isn't there anymore. You know? Same thing as work with waiver wire. It's the same concept. They're human beings at the end of the day, right? That's <laughs> why uh, That's why we play the game. That's why they play the game. Got to get on the field. You got to lace them up. You know, you actually have to go out there, right? The last thing I will say is go Eagles. Go Eagles. Oh, I can't say. I, I hope they for both lose. I can't root for either team, honestly. I can't root for either team. <laughs> because I can't do this again. I really, I'm done. I can't do this Patriots stuff anymore. Well, uh, Tom Brady's 5-0 and against everybody else, and he's 0-2 against the Giants. So <laughs> that means he's probably going to win unless he loses, and then he's 0-3 against the NFC East. True, true. No, he's not. <laughs> he beat them back in, uh, he beat the Eagles back in 2004, so. Oh, yeah, 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 true, true, you're right. This will, right. Just cement, McNabb, this will just cement Eli's legacy even more if they actually win again. Oh. And, like I said earlier, don't forget to tune into the two Bills, because at least I have that. You know, being a Giants fan, that it's coming out soon, that everyone will get to I'm, see that, you know, they learned, he learned everything from the New York Giants. God almighty. Anyway. No. <laughs> anyway, so this, that is our show, a good wrap-up of the 2017 uh. season. This was so much fun. Yeah. Some people's teams sucked. <coughs> Mine. Some teams rose to the occasion, had great years, won championships, and for all of you, I congratulate you. For those who were in dumpster fire mode, I'm sorry. I know how it feels. Hopefully we helped yeah, we, you we hope, win, We hope we not helped lose. those who, who won. <laughs> but even more exciting is that we will be starting baseball very, very soon. Pitchers and catchers, oh God, like we wait. said, pitchers and catchers report in two weeks. We will be coming at you with so much knowledge, so much information to help prepare you for your MLB fantasy drafts. There's like 30 times the amount of players, <laughs> so it's going to be, be great. We're going to have so much fun. Player overload. It's going to be amazing. We're going to talk gonna a lot faster. We're going to talk so much faster. Yeah, we're going to have to I cram it into wait. a 35 to 50 minute session, and you guys are going to love it. All right. Oh, my God. It's like a Crazy Eddie commercial. <laughs> crazy Eddie! <laughs> <laughs> On that note, this is the Fantasy Fam signing off. <laughs>